Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. And I'm Connor Orr. Connor, we are on to the next four in our preseason power rankings countdown. Uh, and the little hint I'll give at the top of the show, uh, we have... Three teams with, I think, questionable-ish quarterbacks that we'll get to as we go through it. But we have touched on teams from seven of the eight divisions. There's one division we haven't gotten to yet, but we are going to get to it in this show. Ooh. Well, a few things off the top. I like that you've named this now, finally, after um, <laughs> after four episodes mm-hmm. of division previews. You yep, finally come yep. up with the name. And uh, the B side to this, I know we're not doing YouTube right now, but your hair looks great. Oh, I, uh, I, I just, <laughs> I just got out of the shower. <laughs> that's that's it. I showered for you today. Oh, I, cool. I, I smell really good too. Ah, uh, a you lot. should always you should always be emerging from the shower. You know, <laughs> a lot that's a good look for you. <laughs> it's a lot of senses I'm appealing to that uh, have nothing to do with the podcast. So. Luckily, in Riverside, I can also smell, Gary, which is normally uh, a net negative. But today, I very much enjoy this Axe Phoenix bo- uh, body scrub. So. It is. It is. Yeah, we're, we're going down that path here. 
<laughs> oh man all right let, let me count down what we have so far because we are going to be more than halfway through by the time this show is over uh 32nd falcons 31st bears 30th seahawks 29th texans tied for 27th we had the giants and the jaguars 26th with the jets 25th panthers 24th commanders 23rd vikings Tied for 21st, we had the Steelers and the Dolphins. Our last show was 20th place, the Browns, 19th, the Lions, 18th was the Cardinals. And we had a tie for 16th on the last show because we split these up alphabetically or reverse alphabetically if you are thinking about it in countdown style. Uh, The Titans were tied for 16th, and now we get to the other half of that tie, and that is the New Orleans Saints. And with that, I ask you, Connor... What's the deal with the Saints? So, uh, well, we know we know the answer to that question now. The deal with the Saints was um, they kept sort of backloading and backloading and backloading uh, their roster building strategy, kind of like the Rams, but in a less cool and well thought out <laughs> way. Mm-hmm. And then it came to the point where it looks fairly untenable and so their coach started secretly uh planning with the dolphins and tom brady to hightail it out of there he retired got caught uh and mixed up in the tampering scandal and now dennis allen uh former raiders head coach defensive coordinator uh arguably the best defensive coordinator in the nfl uh, i think they were the dvoa leaders and football outsiders just announced uh they're the number one projected uh dvoa defense in the league this year oh wow so uh dennis allen is the head coach Jameis winston is back as the quarterback Taysom hill no longer a quarterback again um and uh, we have this strange thing going on where I think the Saints are pro- – well, we'll get to where we think that they're going to finish. But uh, there's still going to be a world-beating defense, even though that's very hard to sustain and is important to point out. Um, and they might be somewhat interesting on offense. Uh, Michael Thomas is back. Uh, they traded back into the first round to get Chris Olave at a time when a lot of teams wanted to get out of the back end of the first round. So – lot to uh, lot to digest there. I'm going to speak for the two of us in this case because uh, we are Baltimore Orioles fans. Uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do a little sports crossover here. We just saw our team, which has been bad for quite a while, uh, move into playoff contention and then immediately start trading away valuable players and saying, no, 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 we're rebuilding, we're rebuilding, give us, give us a while. Uh, <laughs> and it was kind of like, wait... <laughs> It was fine. Like, if you came up short this year, that's totally fine. But it was it was fun to, you know, contend for a playoff spot. And by the way, they are uh, still winning games since they made those trades of uh, the much-loved Trey Mancini and the loved but not as loved Pablo Lopez. Pedro Lopez, that's how much he's loved. I yeah, forgot I'm... his name already. How could you get rid of Trey Mancini? I know. That was like, this team, I, well, it, all right. So let's just, let's just lose all the non-diehard fans right now. I'm going to go on a two-minute Orioles rant, and then and then we're going to move on. Buck Showalter, look how good he's doing with the Mets right now. And he was like the heart and soul of that team. It's just, it, you know, I, I watch the – I'm all in on baseball now, by the way. I've been watching a lot of baseball. Um, <clears throat> my wife thinks there's something wrong with me. And um, you know, watch, I watched Manny Machado the other day uh, play for the Padres. Like that whole team was just that – 
the feel and the vibe of that whole team was so awesome. And then, you know, Trey Mancini was what was left of that, I feel like. It was like a remaining mm-hmm. sort of connection to maybe not necessarily that year, but just that vibe of being an Orioles fan. And now he's gone. So, you know, I don't know. I Being a baseball fan, I feel like, is way harder than being a football fan because it's 162 games, and they are much less, um, uh, I don't know, tanking and not tanking that's not really a sacred thing in baseball right Correct. uh they're just do- they're just doing it they don't care uh yeah. and it doesn't really matter to them so that to me is harder to accept um but uh, you know anyway, back back to reality i miss buck showalter i miss manny machado i miss trey mancini um and let's talk about the saints and i miss jorge lopez his name is jorge lopez <laughs> And I apologize for missing twice on that. Jeez, uh, rough spot for the Lopez family. It, it's it's uh, it's not good. Rough spot for me. I don't know the leading saves guy on my favorite team who I was really upset when they traded him. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the whole point of this Orioles rant being uh, it's fun when your team is trying to win. Even if maybe they don't succeed, because look, in the end, one team is going to win the World Series, one team is going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you can't sit here and say, "Oh, this is all this is all worthless if we didn't win the Super Bowl this year." No, of course it's fun to go out and win games. What do you, th- you think the Packers fans are bummed that they didn't uh, go seven and nine the last couple years and get higher draft picks? No, you want to go out and win. Uh, that's the whole point, and that is why. I have some respect for the Saints, who, you know, we were all kind of like, well, you know, Breeze is gone, still big question mark at quarterback here with Jameis Winston, but they're kind of going for it. I mean, they're they're not giving up, and is a little foolhardy, maybe, but, uh, you know, they end up spending two first-round picks in what was considered a fairly weak draft. Uh, They go out, you know, they they lose Marcus Williams, and they just go out and get Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. Uh, They're built to win i don't know how far they go i don't know how far you can go in the postseason with this quarterback but they are definitely built to win here i love it i mean i and editor mitch goldich talks about this all the time where i fall in love with so many things that i often tend to repeat myself because i get so excited about certain teams and certain aspects of certain teams and he said that's great that's part of who you are um (laughs) The bad thing would be if you just completely changed your opinions on things overnight. And he's like, that's the thing that we don't want you to do. I did that with the Saints. Um, After the draft, I gave them like a C uh, on my draft grades because I was like, look at this team full of jerks, you know, pretending they're in contention. Uh, Like, what a bunch of idiots. Um, They shouldn't be doing that. And then two days later, I was like, you know what? And and this is around the time that you and I were working on the Hugh Jackson story, I want to say. It was like kind of like right right around that time that my opinion on tanking uh, just completely did a 180. And I, and I thought to myself, you know what? Actually, that's awesome. This is what every team should be doing every single year. They should be drafting the sweetest players. They should be going after the best free agents. And otherwise, what else are we doing here? So I think it's great. Um, I'm eager to... I think Dennis Allen deserved another chance. Uh, when you take over a Raiders franchise, anywhere between like 2000 and 2015, you were just signing up to get your career nuked as yeah. a young head coach. So good for Dennis Allen climbing back up the ladder and working his way in there. And <clears throat> who knows? Um, I think this, I'm rooting for Pete Carmichael. He's been the Saints offensive coordinator since like 2009. 
And the whole time, everyone was saying, well, he doesn't call the plays, so who cares about Pete Carmichael? I care about Pete Carmichael. So it's going to be cool to get him in a play-calling role, um, get him maybe – we find out what what attachment he's had to this really brilliant offense for so long. I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the Saints. Who on this team moves you emotionally? Oh, um, I – from an emotional standpoint, Taysom Hill, because this guy, this is going to be a fairly surface level. So I'm hoping that you back me then with, um, with like a really good inside football-y person. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, I also have another name that I'm, if you don't pick this person, I'm just going to add it at the end. Is that fair? <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> All right. Well, we should talk about Taysom Hill for a minute. Um, I I thought that they were on to something with Taysom Hill. Um, I thought it was super cool that we had a full-time gadget player that was treated as such, um, a guy who won games as a starter in the NFL. I, I, I thought we were on the precipice of something with Taysom Hill, and now it seems like he's kind of being stuffed back down into the potato sack, and they're just like, no, you're going to go back over there and you're going to play tight end sometimes, uh, and and we're done with you. That's a little disappointing to me. I liked I liked the whole Taysom Hill thing. Yeah, I mean they can return him to that gadget type of role here, I guess. And that was it seemed like that was part of the reason they were so hesitant to put him in that QB one spot, except for that one you know short stint when Drew Brees was hurt uh, back in what was that 2020 at that point. But uh, I don't know, you could build an offense around his skill set maybe it's not going to be as expansive in the passing game as you want it to be but i would have been curious to see it over over full season i don't you know I, i'm not one of these folks who's signing up for Taysom hill is is lamar jackson uh newsletters or wherever those folks meet but Substack. um yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah i mean you could have a very you know uh whatever dollar tree version of that kind of offense and see where it goes. Uh, I am going to not go super football-y in any way, shape, or form, because I'm going to talk about the quarterback for a second. But uh, I will give a quick shout-out to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who not only I, I love him as a player, I love him uh, you know, lining up at the slot, both as a guy who covers extremely well and uh, really does mix it up uh, as a run defender, despite being a little bit undersized. But uh, I just kind of love him as a troll, as someone yes. who just gets punched i wanted to oh boy i want to do a story on him where uh do you remember the movie it's like a year and a half old now uh bob odenkirk in nobody and uh the poster for it was bob odenkirk's face and he's just getting punched by people from like yes, all directions i do remember that yes i, I want to do that shot but with uh cj gardner johnson because everyone seems to just want to punch him all the time and i'm you know, kind of curious why he has perfected um who do you well let, let me see who do you think i'm gonna name as the consummate uh, agitator cornerback of, of our our era like 2005 to present i would say Cortland finnegan yes exactly yeah. so he Cortland finnegan was like was like the sex pistols of agitator cornerbacks where it seemed edgy and everyone was a little bit scared and nobody knew what was going on. And then um, 
what our what our friend here in New Orleans has done is sort of sort of adopted as like a post punk version of it. He's like the Blink One Eighty Two version of it, where it's family friendly. Everybody likes it. Uh, he can do it with Tom <laughs> Brady, and it's widely accepted. While also, I mean, not as effective. I, I'm sure people were really scared to go up against Cortland uh, Finnegan, but uh, you know, it's 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 an enjoyable thing. So. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, let me talk about the quarterback, though. I am, and I've talked about this in the past, <clears throat> I am an advocate for risk-taking. I don't mind interceptions. I think we have become obsessed with interception avoidance and not making interceptable throws. And it's reached an extent. I think part of it is because it's built into passer rating. It's too heavily factored into passer rating, and people still do use that as shorthand for quality quarterback play when they uh, probably shouldn't. But you have to take risks as a quarterback. You should be throwing some interceptions. You don't want to throw 30 interceptions, but uh, you want to throw some. However, Jameis Winston, not only the the quantity of, of interceptions he throws, but the number of just inexplicably dangerous throws he makes uh, where my only guess, and again, I, I'm not a quarterback expert. Maybe someone would uh, disagree with me uh, vehemently on this, but my only guess is he is not seeing like the levels of depth in the middle of the field in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> he throws more passes into linebackers' chests and uh, robber safeties' chests than anyone I can ever remember playing organized football. And it's almost like he's just, <laughs> he's literally not seeing these guys or he is misjudging that depth. And I know the whole LASIK surgery thing was a big storyline with him, uh, but I I don't think it's something that has gotten better. I don't think it's going to get better. I think you're just going to have to manage around that and uh, just take your life into your hands anytime you are doing anything but very quick strike short throws over the middle. It's like you have that area, you have uh, outside the numbers, you have deep ball stuff. He's never been a great uh, deep ball thrower. And I don't mean like he's he's fine deep intermediate levels, but like over the top deep ball thrower, uh, that's never, you know, even though he has the arm talent, he just doesn't have the accuracy on those throws. I just, I think he's such a limited quarterback. And I think the risk outweighs the reward with him. I wouldn't go nuts if like Andy Dalton ended up just game managing this court this this offense to, you know, whatever, just a league average offense and just make sure you avoid the crippling mistakes here. Andy Dalton um looks strange in a Saints uniform. Mm. The the bright red hair in the gold, it, it's like when you wear it's like when you wear orange and yellow together. Yeah. It yeah. was like well, I mean you and I are Syracuse alums. I don't know if you were actually uh, privy to this, but my senior year, they dropped blue as one of their main colors, and oh, really? we became we became orange and like burnt orange. I it didn't was know that. Just like, yeah, it was like an orange, and then just a a, a a more well done orange. Huh. That was a that was a like a, a short lived decision by the chancellor, who was no longer there. <laughs> and then I saw her. This is so weird. I saw the chancellor of of my university former chancellor of my university just in the middle of the street in newark i was working and i was like <laughs> yeah. hey didn't you used to be the chancellor at my college and she's like yeah and i was like all right 
and then just walked away. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing that ever happened. So there, re- there really is nothing else to say after that in that conversation. So I'm glad it yeah. ended right there. All right, let's get this. This has been uh, this has been a little bit of a helter skelter pod. And I'm going to do one more stream of consciousness thing, and then we're going to lock this in for the rest yes. of the pod. Yep. My favorite player on the Saints is Pete Werner. So, you know, I think that's that's who Taysom Hill moves me emotionally from a point of frustration. Mm-hmm. Pete Werner moves me emotionally from the fact that I think this guy could be the next Luke Keekley. So there you go. <laughs> do you really? Yeah, he's good. He's okay. uh, he's awesome. Yeah, I thought because it, it, I shouldn't bring this up because now you're gonna you're giving me the silent treatment for the rest of this podcast. But are you gonna talk about draft night? Yes, draft yes. Night. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't read you. So Connor and I, this was two years ago, <laughs> had to do the day two mock draft for the website, which is it's, the worst assignment it's, in sports. It's dumb. And like, we split it up. Cause it was like, all right, well we'll get it done faster this way. And we were both kind of like, we had a Google doc shared spreadsheet going and we were just plugging guys in. And I don't know why, but at like two thirty, I just really got, <laughs> I don't know, dug in on a couple of takes that just made no sense. And it's probably, through sleep deprivation and or some sort of uh caffeine high because i don't drink a lot of caffeine but uh yeah you had mocked like pete werner to the raiders i think if that sounds right and i was like no 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 we can't mock pete werner to the raiders and i don't really know what my justification for that was did but you I have was him like, going no higher? way i had him going lower but yeah, i was gonna say i think i had him going higher than you yeah, but for some reason, I was like, no, no way the Raiders take Pete Warner. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that uh, last story. We were like, uh, it was like spotty internet. We were in a cabin for some reason. I don't know why I watched the draft in a cabin. Um, <laughs> probably because it was just, you know, I was at the end of my sanity rope. But um, I just remember, I remember fighting about Pete Warner and then just being like, man. I, I hate Gary right now. Like, just right now. Just for this, like, like it's it was, like, 2.45. And I know my kids are going to wake up in, like, four hours. And it's like, yeah, Dad's tired because he stayed up late fighting about the potential draft <laughs> position of Ohio State linebacker Pete Warner. There As was a Pete Warner out, thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a Pete, classic dad, Pete Warner stuff. But oh, man. Um, he, he is, uh, Pete Warner is, is really good. Okay. I like that then. Yeah, that that was a that was a dark night. That was the kind of night where when you could have been, we could have we could have potentially said something to each other that uh, could never have been taken back, but we made it through. Oh yeah, you could say whatever you want, Gary. To me, we're 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 good. I'll, I'll, I, we're, I'll we're test that. I'll test that when we do day three mock draft next year or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's uh, what's your best case scenario for the team? It's funny, back when Tom Brady was retired for seven hours, it was like, oh, the Saints are going to win that division then. Yeah. But now it's kind of, uh, yeah, wild card. This is a wild card team. It's a wild card team. There's... They're going to They're going to be the sixth or the seventh seed in the NFC. There's no other way. I cannot see the universe playing out in any other direction a lot of these teams have a high or a low there is no higher low for that for the saints by virtue of the talent that they have on this roster if they finish any worse than second in that division something has gone catastrophically wrong or baker mayfield has evolved to the point where he's going to get back on progressive commercials all right all right 
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let's go on to team number 15 in our countdown. That is mm. the New England Patriots. Mm. I, you know, it, it took a little bit of time, but I feel like this is the after effect of us kind of starting to accept the mortality of Bill Belichick in this group, where maybe they won't win the Super Bowl every third year, and they're still pretty good. They're still certainly a playoff contender, but uh, that's that's kind of where we are with them. But uh, I, I guess I should ask you the official question, Connor. What's the deal with the Patriots? Um, so Mac Jones's second year, Mac Jones was inarguably the best rookie quarterback of 2021, had a great first season. They made it to the playoffs. They got destroyed by the Buffalo Bills, who played the first perfect offensive game in NFL history. I was mm -hmm. there for it. It was very cool. Um, and the Patriots are all right. I mean, they drafted Cole Strange in the first round for because... Bill Belichick is just going to be Bill Belichick forever. Uh, it seems like they're going to try to utilize Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry more than they've been able to effectively. Um, they have Devontae Parker this year, uh, which would be kind of fun. Nelson Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, um, mm -hmm. James White's still there. Like, this is like, you know, I don't know. It's like Fast and the Furious 9. It's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. Um, Vin Diesel's still there. Um, they're going <laughs> to... They're going to do some hologram stuff, and, and it's going to be somewhat interesting. I'll, I'll tell you this, though. What I'm fascinated about 
is that after all this time, they're switching from gap blocking to zone blocking. Yeah. And that blows my mind because the hallmark of Belichick teams was always, I'm just going to do whatever everybody else isn't doing, and then I'm going to take all the good players that don't fit into your stuff. And that was 4-3 defense forever, right? And then Belichick's like, okay, give me all the 3-4 defense players. I'll take mm-hmm. all those guys. That's great. Um, you know, all right, we're going to zone block. Get me, get me all the gap guys. Um, that way I can make players like, you know, Trent Brown work, you know? Um, and I don't know. It, this It does not seem to be going well. Even um, Evan Lazar, who uh, is now the Patriots.com reporter, used to cover the team for Calkins Media, I thought was is, does a really good job of covering that team. Uh, but he works for the team's website now and is even like, no, nah, this doesn't look good. So I would say that to me is is a little bit of a cause for concern. I'm not I don't have boots on the ground there every day, but it doesn't seem like it's going well. It's yeah, it's weird to see them make that change. Uh, I think the offensive line personnel kind of fits with some of the younger guys here. But uh, yeah, I don't know they're, they're so big. They have the two tight ends and then they're so big in the receiving core. Uh, and then they, you know, they it's really interesting how this team was assembled because it feels like it's just going to be heavy rotation at all the um at all the skill position spots, basically. I mean, it, they might end up, they might end up, you know, basically playing five receivers here, but only two on the field at the same time. And I, it's just going to be really interesting how they end up building this thing. Uh, who moves you emotionally on this roster? I would say Michael Onwenu. He was my, um, uh, I did every team's most underrated player. And we did Michael Onwenu for the New England Patriots. Just really like him. I thought that was a great pick by Belichick. Really good player. Um, And could be sort of one of those guys that you look at and say, okay, if this is going to work, if they're going to fit this whole thing together, Cole Strange has got to play really well. Onwenu's got to play really well. Those guard spots are so important. Um, when when you're pivoting to a, a zone blocking scheme, I mean, every offensive line position is important. There's only five, you know. So yeah, two out of the five are pretty important. But um, if you want a fun secondary one, I would say Christian Barmore moves me because I I'm never one. Pro Football Focus does a great job, and I'm not one of those guys that's going to sit there and say, oh, they're wrong about everything, and and what they do is stupid, and grades are stupid. I think they do a good job. More more often than not, they're right about guys. I thought Christian Barmore was one guy that I would argue had a better season than they said he did. And I almost never do that. Um, so that this isn't done out of spite or anger. I just liked Christian Barmore a little bit better than they did last year. Okay. All right. I'm going to stay on the defensive line. Uh, I love Lawrence Guy. And every time Lawrence Guy's contract is up, I'm like, there should be a bidding war for Lawrence Guy. Everyone should want him. He's just, he's like the consummate, he's the consummate, like, Ravens, uh, just sort of, uh, you know, dirty work defensive lineman for years, and now he's playing the same role in New England for a couple years now, and uh, I don't know, like, I look at this defense, it's like, boy, a lot of, you know, outside of Devin McCourty, really, it's, it's a lot of new faces, it's a lot of kind of different somewhat maybe dynamic guys maybe not uh type of guys in the team and then Lawrence Guy is just sort of like the classic Patriots guy and he's gonna play a lot on the nose this year and we'll see how this works out but I also I also want to give a um um 
honorable mention here to a guy who I've never seen play on an NFL field, but that's Marcus Jones, who they drafted in the third round, who is a spectacular return specialist. Uh, He's going to be a defensive back. I don't know how much he'll be on the field with the defense, but you know, we all know that Bill Belichick loves his special teams, and it seemed like very fitting that they end up being the team that snags Marcus Jones here. Uh, the question is, how much will a return specialist actually get to do in the NFL right now? And I don't know, less than they used to do. But uh, yeah, he's whatever fourth downs for you know the the other team. You want to stick around and see what he does. They were um, – I wonder what their thought process was because they did that around after Tyquan Thornton. And you wonder if – like Belichick is as bad as his draft record is viewed by people sometimes. I, I, I mean I, I think the draft is a crapshoot largely anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but – when he's got a good sense of the economy of things, right? Um, what am I getting value over what everybody else is looking for? Like we talked about with um, with the three, four, and four, three guys, he was really gobbling up speed in this draft. Yeah, uh, and I'm wondering if there's some reason for that. I mean, yes, we all like fast players are good. We all need fast players. That's an obvious uh, statement. But I wonder if there was some sort of a backbone or a reason for that uh, that thought process. Yeah. I mean, you would call Marcus Jones a difference maker if any return specialist is going to be a difference maker, but I don't know if return specialists can still be difference makers in this day and age. It's true. Yeah. And any and, and if anyone should understand that, uh, it should be Belichick. So let me ask, uh, what do you think the best case scenario for this team is? Do you think they can catch Buffalo? I don't think they can catch Buffalo. I think that it's almost like the Saints. I view them as one of the most obvious locked-in wildcard teams. Like New England screams sixty to me. I okay. just I just think that's where they I just think that's where they end up. It's a Belichick team. They're not going to bottom out. Um, and if I had to guess, and I don't know, I I kind of want your take on this. Well, I don't kind of want it. I really want it. <laughs> what What do you think is actually happening with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge? Because this time last year, remember, we thought that Jamar Chase couldn't catch. We thought that Joe Burrow was never going to play again. There's a lot of things that Joe Burrow was too scared to take snaps, right? There's a lot of things that uh, come out in training camp that have no basis or reflection in reality. Uh, Patricia and Joe Judge are getting hammered right now in that co-OC role. Mm-hmm. As I talk my way through it, if you're making a fundamental shift in the way that you're blocking – Having Matt Patricia be the OC makes sense because a lot of offensive line coaches are becoming offensive coordinators because not many people know how to teach that stuff. Uh, we saw um, uh, we saw Adam Stenovich get a promotion. Chris Forrester, I think, is the offensive coordinator now in San Francisco with the 49ers. A lot of O-line guys are getting bumped up. John Benton in the Jets is the run game coordinator. That's going to start happening more, so I don't think it's odd that Matt Patricia is has his hands on that but what is your takeaway do you think this is a catastrophically horrifically bad thing that's happening or is it just something that we can kind of pick on uh during training camp and overblow i honestly have no idea i give the benefit of the doubt to to bill belichick but 
the thing is with those two guys, if it doesn't work out, it's just going to be I. You're not going to say like, oh, everyone's going to think Belichick's an idiot if it, no, you know, his legacy is cemented and he's going to be considered the greatest coach of all time whenever it whenever it ends. Uh, but man. Could you have two more? Uh, what's what's the word I'm going for? Uh, just easy targets in those yeah. spots. Like if this doesn't yeah. work out, if it didn't work out, and it's some dude who like no one had really heard of outside of diehard Patriots fans before last year, you'd kind of be like, oh boy, yeah, wrong offensive coordinator. Oh well, on to the next guy. But the fact that it's Joe Judge and Matt Patricia who are just such. Ah, they're just magnets for criticism, no matter what happens. And even if this is a middling offense, people are still going to get on them. Uh, and they're following up Josh McDaniels, who obviously was really good at his job. I don't know, man. I don't know how it plays out. I think there's going to be a ton of negativity no matter what happens. Uh, I think the only way that doesn't happen is if, like, you know, you have, like, a MVP caliber performance from Mac Jones, and you have a dominant run game, and uh, you're back in sort of, you know, division title contention. And that's the other thing, because I want to say they're a wildcard team, too, but the AFC is so deep. They could be, you know, whatever, the, the 12th best team in the league or something, and they might miss the playoffs anyway, because what two AFC West teams uh you know you figure between the Ravens and the Bengals you probably get a uh, a playoff team there Colts and Titans good chance a playoff team there just a lot of good teams in that conference I, I don't know if it's eventually a foregone conclusion they make uh they make the playoffs even if they are one of the better teams that don't win their division yeah, in the Patriots cinematic universe, which is a phrase that I've stolen from you and uh, will just continue to co-opt throughout my podcasting career, no matter how long or short, is of the Patriots cinematic universe, Joe Judge and, and Matt Patricia are two of the biggest sort of like comic – I don't know what you want to call it. You know, Like when you're staging a scene in a movie, there's the guy that walks in and you're like, oh, something funny is going to happen because that guy's in it. Like they're both like Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond. It's just like a big target in the scene that's just like, oh, no, so it's not something serious that's going to happen here. It's something funny that's going to happen here. I mean, you have the guy, the Detroit Lions guy who chided a reporter for, uh, you know, unprofessionalism and then just didn't show up to anything on time and orchestrated defense that was so bad that one coach actually told me this once that they could not believe that they, they just kept leaving a player out there to get hammered and the one team is running the same play over and over again and they said we literally could not believe that they just didn't change their defense um see so if that guy and then you have joe judge who i honestly think is a good coach i really do i think is probably a fine human being I think he got fed up at the end of a long season and frustrated working with Dave Gettleman, and he just he let her rip on the podium, which is, you know, it's unfortunate. And I yeah. think that, but that said, they are, you know, you do take on a little bit of that perception, even if it's not reality. The first time they, like, run on a third and five, I mean, everyone's just going to go back to the Joe Judge, you know, I know. Jake Fromm taking a knee on third down thing. It's you can't do it. It's going to be it. a, it's going to be a thing. Obviously, if anyone can deal with outside noise and sort of sure. potential circus like stuff, this is the organization that can do it. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, Mac Jones entering year two, you want to see him grow a little bit. It just seems like there are a lot of, you're going to have seismic changes anyway with Josh McDaniels leaving, but it just seems like a lot. It seems like a lot going on here. And all you can really say is like, well, Belichick probably knows what he's doing here and give him the benefit of the doubt and we'll see what happens. Yeah, until there's that post Tom Brady Patriots takedown where like the whole time Bill Belichick was essentially Henry Winkler's character from The Waterboy and was just aloof <laughs> and 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 not helping in any way shape or form until until we get that side of it, I'm always going to give Belichick the benefit of the doubt, always. To the point where when I was in Buffalo, uh I had to go on Buffalo radio and explain the joke because nobody thought it was funny. But when the, <laughs> when the bills yep. were, and I got so many mean comments about this, but when the bills were hammering the Patriots, I said, what a brilliant stroke of genius by Bill Belichick, obviously setting up a team that is not in Super Bowl contention to get embarrassed <laughs> at the end of the season so that they come into the next year motivated and everyone just <laughs> lost their minds and freaked out. And they're like, you love you always saying all these nice things about Bill Belichick. So yeah, I, I do. Th- I always give him the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes I joke about it, and you can't. And you can't joke about it. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on in the countdown here. Tie for thirteenth place again. We're doing it alphabetical or reverse alphabetical if you're doing it uh, countdown style. So we are going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles tied for thirteenth. Connor, what's the deal with the Eagles? This is the team of Connor this year Uh, okay i love the philadelphia eagles i think that there's good vibes uh i think that they have one of the deepest rosters of people in the nfl which means i think that you could see a potential gm hire come out of that front office and maybe two head coaching hires come out out of that coaching staff this offseason um i i know the gm can vacillate between uh hero and villain in Philadelphia, but I think that the way that he's played three-dimensional chess with the rest of the NFL in terms of accumulating draft capital, spending it wisely, uh, getting what he needs to get, all that kind of stuff, I, I thought it's been unbelievable. And it all sort of hinges on this idea of like, okay, can Jalen Hurts be good enough to push them into the Super Bowl? I don't think he's going to be... Uh, I, I, there's no breakout coming, right? I think we've seen shades of the ceiling, but can you sustain the ceiling for longer, if that makes sense? Can you can you make the ceiling stretch out over the course of 16 games? Because if you could, I think this offense is schemed well enough that you can win like 10 games with this, with this team, 10, 11 yeah. games. Yeah, and that's a year ago we were kind of put off by the fact that they were you know, they were like, oh, yeah, Jalen Hurts, he's our starter, sure. And then, like, I, I I have this experience all the time where someone's, like, talking to you in a one-on-one conversation. They sort of start looking past you to be like, yeah, what what else is going on here? Like, I'm not really that interested <laughs> in talking to you. Uh, so that's kind of what they were doing with Jalen Hurts last year. They And, look, you shouldn't necessarily commit to your, uh, your second-round pick. You don't know who he's going to be, but it just seemed a little bit tactless considering they were so close to the season at that point it's like roll them out there see what you got but it was a really good season overall in 2021 it was a really disheartening finish not only really getting outclassed by the Bucks down in Tampa but 
you know, it didn't rise to the seeing ghosts type of level, but, you know, the the audio clips of Todd Bowles being like, you know, he can't read, quarterback can't read, uh, well, it's kind of how it played out there. I mean, he was overwhelmed by what the Bucks threw at him defensively, and they just, they weren't going to be competitive in that game if they uh, had a rematch like 99 times. So, that said, interesting on the defensive side of the ball, because this is a team that, uh, you know, I think, Jonathan Gannon, who got some head coach interest this uh, past offseason, a little bit of a guy who I sense is maybe not loved and embraced by the Eagles faithful, although you could say that about a lot of people. Uh, He has a really deep defense, especially up front. Uh, He's a guy who didn't blitz a ton last year, and I think that's, you know, we've talked about that. That's the way the league is going right now they're kind of built to have some success here defensively. Again, like, gosh, they're going to rotate so many guys, and they're all they're all good. I don't know if you see anyone on this defense that's like, boy, there's a there's a superstar. Fletcher Cox is not that anymore. Brandon Graham is not that. But, uh, I mean, you know, you're going to be throwing a fairly fresh-legged like Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick and Derek Barnett out there in um, in passing situations, and that's that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah, um, I I want this team to, you, you know, I think it was the Chargers for so many years before that, and now I've I've kind of shifted to the Eagles. Maybe I'm just following Shane Steichen. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I want, you know, when you just have that team, and I I just I need them I need them to to perform well, and I think that there are a lot of people as I transition us into uh, the next part of this segment, there are a lot of people who move me emotionally on this roster, Gary. Okay. All right. Uh, Do you want me to tell you one of them? I I do want you to tell me one of them. Jordan Davis moves me emotionally on this team, Gary. A favorite of yours and I's. Uh, The fact that they came out of the first round of this draft with A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis is nothing short of phenomenal. And they're going to have so much interior pressure even like Javon Hargrave he's like your third defensive tackle in the rotation Derek Barnett's just going to kind of be in there sometimes that's going to be a really 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 good defensive line and I think that they're going to especially play well I mean you ask people what beats outside zone which is what everybody's running now and it's these penetrating defensive tackles I think you're pairing Fletcher Cox with a young guy who, I mean, I don't know, the mock draft show, didn't we have him going in the top 10 at one point? I think we really liked Jordan Davis, didn't we? We We had him going pretty high. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, all of the, not to relive uh, draft season here, but, you know, all the criticism you would levy at Jordan Davis, and not that he was getting heavy criticism, but, you know, it's like, oh, you know, two-down guy, limited snaps, rotational player at Georgia, uh, it's the same things everyone was saying about Vita Vea when he was coming out. And, you know, he's not for the modern NFL and stuff like that. You know, just sort of beating the crap out of people constantly is that's always going to be part of the NFL. Vita Vea is no, he's he's not going to be uh, Aaron Donald getting into the backfield, but he wrecks so many plays. Uh and on top of that, and I don't want to overstate this because I am a guy who, you know, I whatever I watch football uh, curled in the fetal position uh, on my couch. But there is something to be said for 
just getting physically, as an offensive lineman, just getting physically manhandled again and again and again over the course of a game uh, by someone who is just overpowering you, who is just too strong for you. Uh, there is something to be said for that. Uh, and the the sort of just degrading, deflating nature of being on the receiving yeah. end from a, from a Vita Vea, or I think we're going to see going forward a Jordan Davis. I agree. Unless this entire Georgia defense collapses on us, right, and that they were all only as good as the sum of their parts, uh, I mean, he was he was beastly. And But the nice thing about that is the size and the speed, you can pick that out individually yeah. and say, like, oh, well, it's not like the linebacker's doing this or that. I mean, this guy was just was just wrecking people who moves you emotionally gary uh honestly not a ton i i do like a lot of guys <laughs> on this team but i was going through the roster i was like eh, yeah I, these guys are all they're nice fellas they're nice players uh i will highlight josh sweat real quick because i've always been um a big believer in him and obviously they they made a uh, they made a commitment to bring him back uh he's still only 25 i don't want to overplay age here because i i do think it gets sort of overrated but he's only 25 he came into the league as a really raw guy uh very i remember at florida state he was always noticeably slow off the snap but then once he got moving he was really good and uh if you can, you know, if you can continue to sort of harness his talent here, but yeah, you just look at this defensive line. I mean, Jordan Davis probably is going to be a rotational player here. They can take him off the field on third downs if they decide that's what they want to do. You can move Brandon Graham inside. You can uh, uh, take Hassan Reddick and put his hand in the dirt. I mean, they have a lot of options here. Javon Hargrave is still a really good player. I, I know maybe he hasn't lived up to the contract, but they have a lot of options here uh, when it comes to the defensive line, and I think they're just going to be throwing really fresh guys in the fourth quarter at some really worn down uh demoralized offensive lines i think it's it's gonna show yeah i uh i mean man they're just they're set up if hurts can like we said if he can extend the ceiling they're just set up to win in so many different ways this is gosh and I remember, I remember feeling this way a little bit when I said the Browns were going to make the Super Bowl last year, make slash win the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, I mean, this team is just really set up to win and, and beat you in a lot of different ways. It's a very deep roster. Um, I'm very proud of it. It's a good, it's a good boy, this roster. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm very, I like this, I like this roster very much. Oh man! Well, do you think I, I think we both like them as uh, at least a wild card team? Do you like them better than the Cowboys in the AFC? Excuse me, in the NFC East. Not on a podcast where I'm talking to you. I'm gonna have to argue with you about the Cowboys. Okay. Um, if if I was with my friends and I I would look over my shoulder and I'd say, "Is Gary here?" All right, no. <laughs> uh, I think the Eagles can win the NFC East. Uh, and I don't think Mike McCarthy's a very good coach. And uh, I would say that. And then Gary would be like, wait, what? And you'd, you'd be running all the way from Connecticut with this spreadsheet that the you'd spreadsheet. be waving at me and saying, yeah. Um, uh, so I would say this. I would say there's probably a one in 35 chance that they win the NFC East. Um, but I would put the commanders at like 0.25 and the Giants at 0% chance of, of winning the NFC East. Okay. And like uh, whatever, the rest of that goes to the Cowboys. But I, I think there's a chance. Okay. That's All what right. I would say. But I, I think they're a lock for a wild card. Okay. 
Yeah, I feel that way too. I, I do wonder how deep they can get in the postseason here. But like I would say, yeah, you wish you had, you know, Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, uh, Herbert, whoever else under center in the postseason. But we live in a world where Jimmy Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl and almost went to a second one. And uh, you can get, uh, you know, Jared Goff when he was not the budding MVP candidate that he will be in Detroit this year. Uh, he went to a Super Bowl. So you can get around that and, you know, just stylistically, they're going to have to, you know, really stick to what they do, which is, you know, run the ball, use that multifaceted run game and, you know, not fall behind like they did in Tampa last year where it uh, all ends up falling apart. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Let's go on to the team they are tied with in 13th place, and that is the first AFC West team on our countdown. It is the Las Vegas Raiders. Connor, what's the deal with the Raiders? Uh, so John Gruden is gone. Rich Bisacci is gone. Mm. And they ended up kind of doing a full-scale organizational uh, rebuild, not only on the coaching staff side with Josh McDaniels and uh, – Dave Zig Ziglar um, from the Patriots, uh, but 
Also, their front office, following some uh, sharp reporting from our former podcast co-host Jenny Vrentis mm-hmm. about the destruction of the uh, Raiders or the decay of the Raiders front office, where they have uh, old rickety papers and warehouses uh, <laughs> waiting to catch fire by some dysfunctional furnace. And uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, they traded for Devontae Adams. They re-signed Max Crosby to a big deal. I think they could be really good. I could see them coming in second place in this division, but... They're also kind of, on paper, the worst roster in the AFC West, uh, but it's also the best division in, in in maybe modern football history. Like, I don't remember a division this good. I know. It, it, there's really, there's no argument that they're the worst team in the division on paper. Again, like, like you said, we'll see what happens with injuries and, and all that sort of stuff, but it is, it's a good team. And they were a good team last year. I think there was a sense that there was something of a fluke factor with uh, this team making the postseason. I think they were absolutely legit. And they made the postseason while having a really, really, really bad red zone defense. And I think just, you know, it's going to move more toward the mean no matter what. Like, they can't be worse in the red zone defensively than they were a year ago. So, uh I, you know, I think we could see, I'm trying to figure out if the math would make sense. I think we could see th- three wildcard teams out of this division. I think we should see. If there was any if there was any justice in the world, all four AFC West teams would make the playoffs. But I don't know. I, I don't know if it's actually possible. I don't want to I don't want uh, to get ahead of ourselves here, but I did finish uh, my predicting all 272. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it extraordinarily difficult i got them all to a winning record Mm -hmm. but i found it extraordinarily difficult to get i mean all four of these teams can't make the playoffs obviously um but i got the raiders to nine and eight okay and and that felt a little unfair to me um but we could have three teams in that division win 10 or more games that's crazy yeah it is. Uh, well, Connor, who moves you emotionally on this team? I would say, uh, and here's why. Um, you and I worked on a little bit of a story. I think it's going to come out probably the same day that this podcast comes out. But talking about a little bit of update on the receiver market, we have a big receiver story coming uh, in a week after that. But this is kind of like a little mini update. But Devontae Adams moves me emotionally because him and Tyreek Hill, we're going to see elite wide receivers in new markets with quarterbacks markedly worse than the ones that they were playing for previously. And we're in this hustle and bustle where teams are spending tons of money on these guys. And you wonder, does the value hold up? Now that's been true with Terry McLaurin. We've seen him be great no matter who he's played with. Um, And I think that's probably true for a lot of wide receivers, but we're going to get a little bit of a tastier sample size here. And if Devontae Adams blows up, I think so too does the receiver market for the foreseeable future. I am going to go to the, to the defensive side of the ball, mostly because I I do want to talk about Patrick Graham just a little bit. I will highlight Chandler Jones as a guy who uh, obviously has aged really well. He does a lot of things very well aside from simply rushing the passer. And, you know, obviously he has the Patriots background, as does Patrick Graham. But 
it's going to be a really interesting shift with this defense. I mentioned the really bad performance in the red zone. I think even if Gus Bradley was back, that would probably rectify itself to an extent, but it's just going to be so different schematically under Patrick Graham than it was under Gus Bradley, and they do have a lot of guys who kind of fit what you'd be looking for, and it's a lot of guys who, uh, you know, a lot of veteran guys, especially on the front seven, it might work. Uh, you know, Patrick Graham did a lot of good work with a really undermanned Giants defense. I think it could be a league average defense here. And if that's the case, you got something going. I mean, you, you got a, you know, you got a stew going at this point. An old Raiders stew. Mm-hmm. I also want to give a quick honorable mention to Alex Leatherwood. I, I want to see what he does. They, they shouldn't have moved him around. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, overrated to kick a guy inside. I think it's going to fix everything. There's a lot more processing when you play guard as opposed to tackle, and I think it was just all kind of overwhelming for him a year ago. Stick him at tackle, see what you have. Maybe you don't have much, but I think this at least gives him a chance. I'm rooting rooting for all of the John Gruden draft picks that like people were like, huh? And I hope that they all come together as like a band of, I wonder what we could call them, but like Cleland Farrell and Alex Leatherwood, like all the people that Mike Mack and John Gruden drafted on and on draft everyone's like, yeah, I had him uh, going in the fourth round, but uh, all of them band together and form the foundation of a super team. I really like the idea of that. The the Gruden babies, something like that. Gruden babies. Just like the Muppet babies. I don't know. We'll, we'll, well see. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, we we kind of talked about their ceiling at this point. Uh, I don't know if they necessarily win this gauntlet of a division. Yeah, they should be in the wild card hunt. It's just such a ridiculous division. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I I don't know what you could reasonably expect here and i don't know if that's why josh mcdaniels took the job uh you get a longer runway here and people are going to say okay we'll forgive you if you don't make the playoffs next year seems like they've got a lot of flexibility Derek carr isn't on a long-term long-term deal so you really could make this into something of your own after this year but you get a nice little runway to see if you want to try to blow it up or not yeah, I could see a scenario where they end up winning 10 or 11 games and, you know, whatever, finishing second or third. Maybe, maybe they leapfrog the Broncos. Maybe they, uh, maybe the Chiefs slide back. I don't know. We'll get to those teams later in the countdown. But uh, I guess this wasn't much of a firm <laughs> prediction, but I'm going to I'm gonna stick with my wishy-washy on this team. I really want to like them. I want to pick them to win a lot of games. But you just got to be real about it. The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. Five hundred dollars minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 